0: morning I got my smoothie. Any smoothie people in the house? Got my smoothie and I went out on the back deck and I noticed something that I haven't noticed in a long, long, long time. There was a little cool in the air and I was so very thankful. Anybody else kind of looking forward to what's coming? So what I saw, what I felt, what I experienced Friday morning was a shadow of what's coming. Yesterday, sometime around, I don't know, 6 (laughs) o'clock, I began to watch a football game. And we, uh, we, I say we, I never played for the Bulldogs, but they have gotten a lot of my time and effort and energy. Um, we won the game, and I consider that a shadow things to come. It's my man. Our entire series talking about David brings us to this point. You see, David taught us much about being a warrior. He taught us much about being a, sa- uh, a shepherd. He taught us much about being a servant. He taught us about being a king. And in his life, he taught us who the Savior would be. Today, we talk about what we learn from David in the shadow of the Savior. Psalms chapter 16, verses 8 through 11 says, I know the Lord is always with me. Oh, oh, by the way, one of Jesus' names was Emmanuel, God with us. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Who could he have been talking about? You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Father, teach us today more about who our Savior is. Teach us more of His goodness and more of His love and more of His grace and mercy. We declare as the song we just finished singing Oh God, my God, we need you today. So speak to us. Reveal yourself to us in a very powerful way. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. See, there were so many things that, that he taught us about what was coming. Even in, we, we talked about in week two about his battle with Goliath, and you might remember in those days, one army would send a champion another army would send a champion and the two would fight each other and their victory or defeat would be transcended into the entire army in other words one man's victory the victory of one man was celebrated for everybody's one man's victory one victory for everyone else could that be a shadow of one man Purchasing, the blood, the purchasing by his blood, the forgiveness and redemption of sin for all of mankind. I say yes. There was this point in Second Samuel chapter seven where David had sinned, and uh, Nathan the prophet had confronted him, and Nathan began to prophesy to David about what was going to happen, and he told him that there would be a point when his Child and, and, and his line would never, end the th- never leave the throne. And from that point forward, the coming Messiah was known as the son of David. So who is this Savior? Who is this Savior to come? See, we get the beautiful privilege of seeing the Savior from this side of Calvary. But all of this that we've studied was written a thousand years before Jesus came. What was he teaching us? Well, I'm going to show you how there were some very similar, uh, very distinct similarities in the life of David and the life of Christ Jesus. And there were some very distinct differences. Can I take just a little side road and show you the most distinct difference? Can I show you? So you may or may not know, I went to Israel in uh, 2020. Have I mentioned that in the past? and uh, you may see some more so one of the most impressive sites that we saw was the tomb of king david there's gonna be a picture of it pop up on the screen the tomb of king david uh, one of the most revered sites in jerusalem in fact on the day that i was there there were several rabbinical students that had prayed and read their scriptures all day sitting at The tomb of King David, and while I admired their reverence and I admired their dedication, I had one question: Why? Because on that same trip, I went to another tomb. That that one's going to pop up too. See, you're going to see a little cave a little hole in the side of a mountainside and you can barely see inside of it but let me show you inside what it looks like you know the big difference between david's tomb and that one that one's empty y'all his name's jesus and he's alive and well so while david showed us so much about the life of christ i need you to understand that it was just a shadow it was just a glimpse of the things to come and that's what we're going to unpack and talk about today. First of all, David was a shepherd, but Jesus was and is the good shepherd. Jesus said of himself in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, the the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Verse 12 says, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. Let me tell you, there were two different kinds of shepherds in those days. There was a shepherd that shepherded his own flock. These are my sheep. These are my family's sheep. These belong to me. And then there were those that were hired as shepherds. They belong to somebody else, and I'm earning a wage. And what Jesus is telling us is that when the wolf comes, if those aren't your sheep, guess what? You're gone. You're not going to stick around for for somebody else's sheep. But listen to what he says. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Listen what he says. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. Yeah. Aren't you glad you're one of them? Yeah. And they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. <laughs> Do you know why... Jesus called us sheep. Sheep are the dumbest animals on the face of the earth. (laughs) They are completely lost without their shepherd. As are we. Completely lost without our shepherd. I'm just curious if there's anyone in the room that tried to go your own way apart from the shepherd. I wonder how that worked out for you. It probably worked out for you exactly like it worked out for me in in trouble and hardship and disaster. See, David was an incredible shepherd, but Jesus is. See, there's a big difference between was and is. Jesus is that good shepherd. And and so I just want to pause long enough to tell you this morning. If you're struggling, if, if you feel like your world's gone a little crazy, Maybe, just maybe, you need to find and listen for the voice of your shepherd. There's a beautiful story all through John chapter 10 that says, My my sheep know my voice. I heard a story about how in in those days, they would, would, uh, you know, all the sheep would go in. Many shepherds, you know, many different flocks would go in the same pen at nighttime oftentimes. And so these shepherds, there might be four or five different flocks in these pens, you know, protecting them from, uh, you you know, predators in the evening. And when they got ready to go out in the morning, these shepherds all had, and still do to this day, I'm told, all had this distinct voice and distinct noise that they would make that only their sheep would respond to. And they would stand at the gate and, and make this noise and their sheep would follow them. And Jesus said, in that context, my sheep follow me because they know my voice. Do you know how those sheep knew their voice? Because they listened to the same voice day after day after day after day. Can I tell you, maybe, maybe you're struggling because you're listening to too many voices. Before we go on, I just want you to hear from my heart. Listen, I have... I have done this both ways where I have listened intently to the voice of my shepherd and followed him and sat under his care and protection and provision. And there have been times in my life where I have wandered far from his voice. (laughs) Learn from my experience. Follow Jesus. Listen to the voice of your shepherd. There was another difference. David was anointed as king we talked about that we talked about the the, the prophet and samuel anointing david as king of israel at as a teenager david was anointed as king but jesus is the anointed one who is king eternal so i need to tell you that there's a that word anointed we we get that word really confused let me for years i thought that word anointed meant what happens when my wife sings and the hair on the back of my neck stands up and it feels good and that was anointed song that was an anointed sermon and and we talk about how that makes us feel and and the the goosebumps we feel when the the praise team singing the song that you like or when when the the pastor's preaching a message and it resonates with with what you're going through at that time that that was anointed and i and i guess that that that's a a slice of the pie but it really means something a little deeper see when when the prophet samuel anointed david as king poured a, a horn of oil over his head and it said everything's different from this point forward you are now set apart for a purpose You're now set apart. You're you're not the same. Whatever plans you had for your life, those have all changed now. You're anointed. You're set apart for a purpose. And can I tell you that you're anointed? That God has a purpose for you. That God has set you apart and has a work for you to do in His kingdom. I believe that with all of my heart. Interestingly enough, we believe Jesus to be the Messiah. Do you know what that word means? The, the word Messiah means the anointed one. Jesus was anointed. He was set apart. Jesus is the anointed one who is king eternal. I'd like to read this. All right, I got, I got to set this up for you. I shouldn't have shown those Israel pictures because where you see this passage I'm going to read to you, I, I was kind of there. I saw it. It's <laughs> kind of cool. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. All right, so you gotta, you got to understand the culture there. So what would happen? Jesus had gone home to the, to the city of Nazareth. He'd gone home and he uh, visited his, his synagogue on the Sabbath. And oftentimes they would have a traveling rabbi that would, in our context, do the sermon. So it looked a little different, but you, you understand where I'm going. And so what would happen is they would read a passage of Scripture. Oftentimes, there'd be one that would read from the, the, uh, uh, the prophets and someone would read from the, uh, uh, you know, from the, the poetry books. There'd be one or two different readings. And so on this day, Jesus read. And so what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to read this passage and then teach on it, right? You with me? So listen to what happened. So they're supposed to read the passage and then teach on it read the passage then teach on it when he came to the village of nazareth his boy ho- boyhood home stay with me here he went as usual to the synagogue i don't have time to stop and talk about how if jesus needed to go to church on a regular basis we do yeah. <laughs> he went as usual to the synagogue on the sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. He set me apart. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Sent me to pro- proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So he read the scripture. What's he supposed to do now? He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. That would be like me reading the opening text and just sitting down. And you're all looking at me like, What are you doing? Well that's exactly what they did. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, sat down, all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Like just like you look at me, he went, What are you doing? What are y'all doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And then Jesus began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled in this very day. In other words, the Messiah you have longed for is here. And can I Now, so I want you to think architecture with me for a minute. See, synagogues, especially in that day, didn't look like this. There wasn't you in the crowd, teacher up here. It was usually two groups, and they were facing each other, and there was an area in in between, okay? And oftentimes, listen, this is so cool. You got to get this. There were two chairs on the the stage it wasn't a stage but just go with me there were two chairs up there and one nobody ever sat in do you know why it was reserved for the messiah the messiah will sit in that chair so here's here's what happened pretend this is that chair Nobody sits in this chair because it's reserved for the Messiah. He reads about the spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news of the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives have been released. The blind will see. The oppressed are set free. And the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he sits down in that chair. And they're looking at him like, what? What we've just read is happening today. He was telling the world, I'm here. The anointed king of heaven is here among you. And just like he was here among them, listen, the anointed king of heaven is here among you. Can you, can we remember in those moments when the old song says all hell assails Ever been in one of those seasons? You ever been in one of those? I kind of had a day like that if you just want to know the truth. It's just nothing has gone right since, I, since we walked in the building. For just stuff just hadn't happened like it's supposed to. Maybe you've had a season like that where, you know, Monday was awful, Tuesday was worse. Look at what Jesus came to do. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Is he just talking about finances there? No, I don't think so. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Anybody know what it, likes, what it feels like to be free? The blind will see, the oppressed are set free. And, and listen, that's what he did for the next three years. He set people free and he, he took care of people. And I, I need you to know that he's still doing that today. So, whatever season you find yourself in, know that God, Christ Jesus, is full well able to handle what's going on in your world. Because the anointed king of Israel, the anointed king of this planet, is here among us. The anointed king eternal is here among us. And when you leave this building, he's not reserved to this place, he'll go with you. David was a warrior. David won a lot. If you you go to the trouble of reading Kings and Chronicles, uh, 1 Samuel, you'll read about, 1 and 2 Samuel, you'll, you'll read these beautiful, incredible stories about the warrior king, David. Sometimes he did things the right way and sometimes he did things the wrong way. But he was victorious. He won many, many battles. David was a victorious warrior fighting the enemies of Israel. Jesus, please get this, is a warrior returning to forever defeat death, hell, and the grave. I, I love Christmas, don't you? Don't you love Christmas? Y'all, I've heard you've heard my stories about you know Queen Christmas that I live with. I love I love Christmas. I love Easter. Everybody love Easter? Listen, y'all, that story's not over. I had a conversation with somebody this past week, and they said, Do not? I'm having a hard time answering some objections. When people want to know if God is good, why didn't He fix the world? If God is, if God is good, why is the world in the condition that it's in? It, have, Maybe you've thought that same question. If God is good, why is the world, why was gas $3.65 a gallon last week? If God is good, why is there cancer in the world? If God is good, why is there disease and famine? If God is good, why is all this nonsense in the world? Why isn't he fixing it? Well, let's just be reminded of one thing. The world was in much better condition when he gave it to us. We broke it. We broke it with our sin and we broke it with our disobedience. We broke it. Well, shouldn't it be on God to put it back together? Listen to me. He is. We just happen to be caught in the middle. But there will come a day when all that is wrong will be right. When every enemy of God and every enemy of good will be forever settled. Forever. Can I read it to you? Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse. Listen, he's not coming in a manger this time. They, listen, I love the meek and lowly Jesus that was born humble in a stable. But that's not what it's going to look like this time. He, uh, I, I saw the heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and true, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Aren't you glad we're on the right side this morning? I hope you are. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title, listen to this, was the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word dwelt among us and became flesh and dwelt among us. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, went and followed. Him on white horses from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod, he will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, like a juice flowing from a wine press. And on his robe, get this at his thigh was written this title King of all kings and Lord of all lords. He's coming back to put things in order. You know, we don't talk about that a lot anymore. I, I guess I'm just, I'm maybe call it naive. I just believe he's coming back like he said. And when he does. Anybody want to see him? Anybody want to look at his face and just say, I love you? Thank you. Well, you're going to have to get in line because I'm throwing elbows (laughs) to get to the front. Let's go on. (laughs) You know, we we talked about a couple weeks ago the fact that, you know, David did some stuff that was not good. David was a sinner. David was a sinner, he, he, uh, <sighs> and not just, oops, look what I did, willfully, intentionally walked down an awful path that led to deceit and adultery and murder. David was a sinner. Listen, Jesus was made to be sin on your behalf. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5.21, I quote this all the time. I read it all the time. It might be my favorite passage of Scripture in the New Testament. For our sake, (laughs) he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I saw a quote from... An incredible theologian, pastor, his name is A.W. Tozer. Here's what he said. The only sin Jesus ever had was ours, and the only righteousness we can ever have is his. Come on, y'all. He made him for our sake to be sin, who knew no sin. And then we see King David. If you you read this story, 2 Samuel chapter 7, he's now king, and he said, I want to do something for God. The phrase was something like this, why do I live in a palace and God lives in a tent? So he had this desire to build something for God, a house for God, a temple for God. He wanted to, and you have to read that whole story on your own. We don't have time to go through it today. He he didn't, his son did, but but David had the desire to do something for God. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 9, he asked this question, what can I do for somebody else? And oh, by the way, I think that's a pretty good model for you and I. What can I do for God? And how can I help somebody else? What if if we lived our life with those two goals every day? Today I'm going to do something for God and I'm going to do something for somebody else. What kind of world will we live in? I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to do something for somebody else. And that was David's heart. And so he, so you have to remember, Saul was, Israel's first king, elected by the people. David was Israel's second king, elected by God. And the custom in those days, not just for Israel, but other surrounding countries, was when new king took over, guess what they did to anybody connected with the old king? They didn't throw a party. They massacred anyone attached to the old king. And so... David starts asking around, is there anybody left, anybody left from the house of Saul? Is there anybody left? He finds out that Saul had a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan was a dear friend of David. And Jonathan had a son. Now, Saul and Jonathan are both dead. And there's one heir to Saul and Jonathan left. And he's hiding out. Do you know Why? Because he's he's afraid for his life. His name is Mephibosheth. I'm going to say it one time, that's all you get. (laughs) And he's hiding out. Because he's afraid that because he could be perceived as a threat to David's throne, that David would seek him out to destroy him. He was crippled. He was lame, and he's hiding out, hopefully, under the radar. And David starts asking around, where is Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son? Where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? (laughs) So he finds out Mephibosheth is alive, and he calls for him. And and y'all, there's this beautiful story. Mephibosheth walks in and he is terrified. And he bows in front of King David. And and here's the words Why would you call a dead dog like me? Why would you bring me here? And David said, Get up. I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to show you the kindness, not David's kindness. I'm going to show you the kindness of God. From this day forward, you're going to eat at the king's table. 2 Samuel chapter 9. From that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table. Listen, like one of the king's own sons. We are Mephibosheth. We're lame, hiding, separated from the king. Anybody remember that point in your life? Anybody but Dwayne ever run from God? <laughs> you know, don't, don't judge me for I'm getting ready to say, but that's pretty dumb, isn't it? I, I see that now. We are hiding, we're poor, we're weak, we're lame. We're fearful before our king. Separated from our king because of our lifestyle, because of our ancestors, separated ourselves because we didn't know that he loved us. And our king sought us out, even though we're hiding from him. Why? So he could judge us, so he could squash us, so he could show us the kindness of God. Yes. <laughs> and now, because of what Jesus has done, we get to sit at the king's table.
1: Yeah,
0: Write this down. What David did for one, Jesus did for all. We're going to take Holy Communion this morning. A couple of these guys are going to grab those. Some of you may have already grabbed them, but they're going to pass out these communion elements. Donna's going to come and play. Huh? Yeah. Band's going to come. So... I got a little reminiscent this, this past week. I, I listened to an old song that I hadn't listened to a long time. It, it seems weird now that I call things that I listened to when I was a teenager old songs. It was a long time ago. So I got gotcha. you. One of my favorite songs from my teenage years after I'd given my heart to the Lord, a guy by the name of Russ Taff. Anybody remember Russ Taff? A couple of you. Here, I just want to give you the lyrics. There's a table in the wilderness where the blind can see and the poor possess, where the weak are strong and the first ones last. There's a table in the wilderness where the blessed sing of his tenderness, where the lame can walk and the weary rest. There's a table in the wilderness. I guess what I want you to see this morning is that there is a table and even if you're walking in a difficult place you would call it wilderness I want you to know that there's a table set for you and it's not a table at Dwayne's house I mean you can come eat at my house but the table I'm talking to you today is the king's table that he has prepared for you please listen to my heart here I don't care what you're walking through. Mephibosheth was lame, crippled, poor, and destitute. David showed up to give him the kindness of God and restored all the land that his father owned to him. Gave him a permanent seat at the king's table. That's exactly what Christ Jesus has done for all of us. I need. I need the. I need the. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Let's make sure folks upstairs have got one too. So these guys are going to play real softly for a second. So here's what Jesus did. What David did for one. He he gave one a seat at the king's table. Jesus set a table for whosoever will. So here's my... I, I don't have the right words. I'm pleading with you today. If you don't know Jesus watching online you don't know Jesus the song they're going to sing in just a moment says only only he can make it right again see maybe you're like me and you tried to fix it yourself I'm a fixer I want to fix stuff and then I'll break it worse and have to pay somebody else to fix it yeah (laughs) maybe you've tried to fix it Maybe you've tried to fix that relationship. Maybe you've tried to fix that depression, that anxiety, that, that, that feeling of purposelessness. Only, only Jesus can fix that. And so Jesus gathered those that were closest to him together, and he gave them this beautiful example that we're going to share today. One of the things that David taught us He had found himself in sin he had committed adultery he had murdered Uriah and the prophet confronted him with his own sin and he repented and maybe that's you today maybe there's stuff in your life that doesn't belong here's the good news An act of repentance for you and I means that Christ takes those sins and washes them away. And so I guess what I'm asking you to do this morning is just search your heart. Maybe you're here and you say, Duane, there's stuff going on in my life that's not good. And there's stuff going on in my life that doesn't belong I've said yes to some things I should have said no to, and I've said no to some things I should have said yes to. So I need God to forgive me. I need God to wash me. I need God to give me a brand new start, and He will. When we agree with God and say, God, my sin is sin, and I turn from it. So I'm going to challenge you to do that today before we take communion. I'm going to challenge you to... Search your heart. And if you're in a season where it's just like this song they're getting ready to sing. It's just not right. Things are just not right in my home. Things are just not right in my life. They're not right on my job. They're not right in my relationships. Only God, only Christ can make those things right. See, I believe that God has this unique way of... When, when we're wandering from our shepherd's voice, he has this unique way of making us very, very, very uncomfortable. So he can turn our hearts back toward him. So I'm going to pray. They're going to sing, and they're going to celebrate Holy Communion. And, and listen, in this, while they sing, take that moment to to worship, take that moment to search your heart, to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal in, in your heart things that don't belong, to allow the Holy Spirit to turn your heart toward Him. Father, in the name of Jesus, search our hearts today. Cause us to incline our ear to, towards You so You can incline Your ear toward us. You told us that, that if we would draw close to You, that You would draw close to us. So that's what we do today. Search our hearts. Forgive us of our sin. Wash us by the blood of Christ. Make us clean. Father, I pray for those that are struggling this morning that you would do what only you can do and make it right again. We worship you, Jesus. were eating. Jesus took some bread and blessed it. He broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this for this is my body. Take. You. Father, we're thankful for the broken body of Jesus, broken for our healing. took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said each of you drink from it for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many take and drink the cup Would you take a moment and in your own words offer prayer praise to Christ for his broken body and shed blood Father we are humbled in the presence of our Savior we are humbled that our Savior would seek us out even though we're broken and lame hiding from him Give us a seat at the king's table. For that, God, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. Thank you for the seat at the king's table. We love you, Jesus. We love you. <laughs> Come on, just tell him you love Thank you, Jesus, for your great love. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord an ovation of praise for his goodness. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being a Life Point. Happy Labor Day weekend. Make sure you take some of those cards and invite people to come on September 17th. You invite them to come any Sunday, but especially on. September 17th for Welcome Home Sunday. God bless. Have an awesome afternoon.